You're listening to Speak Your Style, a lifestyle and business podcast hosted by Sasha Bowlby and Liz Toombs. Welcome back to Speak Your Style. Today we are excited about our episode with Miss Patty Breeze, and she is president and owner of Breeze Financial. Um, I guess here in Kentucky and Florida and in Florida. Um, So today she's going to um, discuss some topics um, about financial wellness, um, uh, different types of insurance that, you know, a lot of us really may not consider um, at any age. I mean, I know sometimes we talk and I'm like, well, I haven't thought about that kind of a thing. So um, we'll hand it over to Patty and maybe, you know, you talk about Breeze Financial and how you got started and how long you've been in business. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Sasha. Liz for inviting me here this afternoon. Um, my background is education. That's what I studied when I was in college. I did not I know that. studied to be a teacher, yeah. thinking that I would go into graphic arts, though, because I was an art major as well as an education major. Um, but graphic arts, when I got out of college, was not that easy really to get into. They wanted experience, and I kept saying, well, You know, I just graduated from college. I don't have the experience. But anyway, so I got my teaching certification as a a fallback to getting employment. So I was hired at Bryan Station Senior, and I was the art teacher there for 11 years, and I was also the yearbook advisor. And along the way, um, I had gotten married to... uh, young man that I'd met at Transylvania when I went there, but I'm a UK graduate, but we kept up our relationship. And along the way, we kind of just were drifting in different directions. So I was going through a divorce, thinking about what could I do to make a little bit more money for myself. There was an incident that happened at Bryan Station with a, a fellow teacher disciplinary type of situation. And, um, the outcome was not good as far as being fair to the teacher and what had happened. And I just thought, well, we teachers are at the bottom of the totem pole here with Fayette County. And I started really actively looking. A good friend of mine had left teaching the year before. She was the yearbook advisor at Henry Clay. And she really encouraged me. I mean, she was the one that was the motivator to get me out of teaching and to think about the skills that I had that could be transferred to other types of occupation, especially sales. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would be selling either yearbook publishing or art supplies with big national companies. But everybody wanted me to move out of Kentucky. We'll put you in Dallas, we'll put you in Chicago, New York City, Atlanta, San Francisco. And I thought, I don't think I can go through a third change all in one year. I'm divorcing my husband. I'm leaving a career that I've had for 11 years, not knowing what is going to happen in the future with this new career I want to get into, and now I'm going to relocate myself away from family and and friends, and I thought, I just can't do this. So I was in my insurance agent's office surrendering my husband's whole life policy that I was the owner of, and he said, have you ever thought about insurance, selling insurance? I said, no, I haven't. And he said, well, you know a lot of people. I said, yes, I do. He said, you were the president of a couple of statewide organizations in education. I said, yes, I was. He said, you know people throughout the state. He said, and you've taught people, students. And I said, yes. He said, you've got all these skills. And that's what Nancy had told me also. So 
I took a leap of faith, and the day after I left teaching, I walked into the insurance agency office and started calling people. And by midsummer, I felt like I had been reborn. I thought, this is how the business world really works. So that's how I got into, into insurance sales. And along the way, then I got security licenses and I became a CLU, a Charter Life Underwriter, and then a, finally a certified financial planner. And after 20 years with the Mass Mutual, I decided I needed to be more independent and I left in 2002 and started Breeze Financial LLC. And so I am an insurance agent, broker, statewide consultant, and also a certified financial planner and help people plan with their money for the future, for short-term, mid-term, long-term needs, goals and wants. And, um, you know, I help them manage their money if they don't have anybody to help them with that and yeah. help them implement different programs, insurance programs, investment programs that will help them reach their goals and protect them. So that's how it all started. I think that's really cool, Patty. I've known you for several years and I didn't know any of that about your background. And as a yeah. fellow art lover and yeah. a former yearbook staffer, like I uh -oh. feel more connected yeah. to you now. Like I just think that's Good really dad. a cool yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of our guests when we've had them, <clears throat> excuse me, had them on, we've talked about, you know, that starting businesses and just that it's never too late or too early to switch yes. your careers or reinvent yourself. And I think right. your story definitely right. goes to show that no one would necessarily think a teacher would go to then having this successful insurance financial business. You don't see that link, but you were able to just transfer those skills. And that's awesome. But too, I think it was probably like good building blocks. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, I was very strong in math and science in high school. In fact, I was almost a chemistry major, mm -hmm. an art major, a dual major. And when I got to Transylvania, they had you take these, these exams at the very beginning to see what courses you could opt out of. And math has always been a really strong suit of mine. I'm, I'm very right brain, left brain. And I tested out of math. I did not take one math class in college. And that oh, wow. is where we differ. Yes. <laughs> that is why I'm for you. <laughs> So I knew when, when I walked into the, they said, go take this test. We want to see your aptitude and everything about, you know, for sales and stuff. And I had taken enough tests along my career, you know, because yeah. I have my master's degree in education. And I didn't fudge the test really, but I knew what they were looking at. And I've always been strong in math um, and, and with money. You know, I basically was the manager of our money with my first husband, and I am now with my second husband and my, hopefully, my last husband. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we've been married now for 36 years, and um, he's the love of my life. So anyway, but I've, I've always, and, and I think it was my mother. I was telling you earlier today, yeah. Sasha, that when I got my first little job as a, as a babysitter when I was like 11 years old, you mm -hmm. know, babysitting little children in the neighborhood with my mother just right next door, she always said, keep 10% of your money. Save it. Oh. Save 10% of your money. And my mother was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. She worked in the house. Mm -hmm. But I often wonder what she could have been because she, she was very intelligent and very well-read. But, you know, back then... Her job, her role, her yeah. job was to take care of her house, her husband, and her children. And but she instilled in me a lot of good values, and and that was one of them, you know, to save and to be frugal and 
you know, save for a rainy day. So that's what I try to teach my clients, yeah. you know. And and I think the other thing that I bring to the, the to the table is my creative mind. Because I can think of different ways to approach things. And, you know, I have other, you know, young associates that say, oh, I don't know who to call. I don't know how to approach them. And it's, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And so it's kind of like thinking out of the box. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think the arts brings to all of us, whether you go into it or not, is that creative mind to come up with different solutions to problems. And that's what I do. And, and my, you know, tagline is empowering clients' financial decisions. So I view myself still as an educator, and I want to provide as much information and education to my clients so that they can really make good decisions for themselves. It's not my decision. Mm-hmm. I can help in that process. But ultimately, the final decision lies with the client. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can make all kinds of suggestions and advice and counsel with them, but unless they're willing to take that next step, there's there's nothing I can do to help them. So mm-hmm. it's a two-way thing with me. It's not, you know, me doing a monologue, kind of like what I'm doing right now, but it's a dialogue that I have with my clients. To a just, true collaboration, I guess, exactly. as opposed to you just telling them what to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things that that I've learned along the way is that our biggest financial asset, unless we're just multimillionaires, but our biggest financial asset is our ability to earn money. Mm-hmm. To go out there and come up with an idea about what you want to do with your life, how you want to make a difference, and and be able to do that. And if you are sick or injured and you can't get out there or you don't feel because you're so down in the dumps about being disabled that you can't you know do a job or run a business then you've got to be able to have some other entity that will provide income for you and that's where we talk about transferring the financial risk over to the insurance company buying a disability policy on yourself to protect that income Mm -hmm. now it's not going to protect 100 percent because what most people don't realize is that a disability benefit comes to you income tax free when you you know so you don't pay tax on that so if you're getting two thousand or three thousand dollars a month from a disability policy because you qualify you become disabled then that money is basically is tax free money to you Mm. and people just don't realize that and you know some of the statistics that that are still relevant are you know, this one where one in four of today's 20-year-olds are going to be disabled for at least a year before they reach retirement. That's that is a tw- terrifying statistic. It is. It is. And the other one that has not changed for many, many years, 20 to 30 years, is that 49% of all mortgage foreclosures are because one of the income earners is disabled. And now the family was going from a two-income family down to a one-income family. And I've had that situation where my husband was injured on the job where he was working. And I had two young children, a preschooler who had some special needs, and one in elementary school. And I was trying to work at my office with insurance. He's at home with back, having back surgery. And... It was 
I mean, we we did he did have a disability policy, which was very helpful, but it had a waiting period of 60 days before it kicked in. And what I experienced was that I got very depressed mm-hmm. and down in the dumps because I was having to do it all. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to do was go into my office, pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hi, I'm Patty Breeze, and I'd love to come over and talk to you and tell you what I do and find out what you do. And, you know, I just... Mm-hmm. The motivation just wasn't there. And I get a lot of people saying, oh, even if I were in the hospital bed, I would be able to still call up my clients and take the orders and stuff like that. Well, I don't know if you would be able to if you're on a lot of medication because you're in pain. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, too, for like, you know, with me being a small business owner, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those things I really don't think you think about. Like, there's so many parts of opening a business and running a business that you may be failed to think about oh gosh like you know we all think that we're invincible that nothing's ever going to happen to us and you know we don't think about those kind of things like oh gosh I didn't think about disability insurance maybe until it was too late right kind of or if you're thinking about it you're kind of deferring it right it's like I have this money right now I'm dumping it into the business to start it up next year I'll do that and then something else comes up so with that in mind Patty when you think about disability insurance and some of the the products that you've been talking about Mm -hmm. When is a good age or a good time in someone's life to consider looking at these things? I would say the day that you get your first job and then find out what the benefits are that they have. And and when you are now out on your own with rent for an apartment or, or a mortgage for a house or if you're lucky enough to buy a house right away, uh, which most young people aren't, um, but... You know, if you're the business that you're working in as an employee doesn't provide that benefit, Mm -hmm. then you have to see, okay, I have these expenses and that's where I help people with their budget. Okay, how much money is coming in? How much money is going out? You know, where's the extra money to put in savings? And they say, you know, a lot of people, one of the statistics is 40% of U.S. households have less than $7,000 in savings. Mm -hmm. That is just, I mean, I tell people they need six to eight months of living expenses somewhere in savings or where they can get to it in the event that they lose a job or become disabled. Mm -hmm. And most people don't. So if you're a 20-something or a 30-something and you've got responsibility, you're out on your own, whether you're with a a spouse or, or a significant other, you just need to say, see, okay, what's the worst case scenario? If I had zero income coming in, how would I pay the bills? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What other savings do I have? What, what credit cards can I access? But then you've got to pay those back. Yeah, mm-hmm. with interest. Right, mm-hmm. with yeah. interest. And especially a, a business owner. And one of the things that business owners tend to overlook to are business overhead expenses. Mm-hmm. So if you have rent you have utilities, if you have a lot of other business expenses to run this business, and you, Sasha, can't come in the door because you're sick, and most disabilities are because of your illness. Mm-hmm. 80% of all disabilities are because of illness. Not accidents, but illnesses. And you need somebody in here to, to be running this place. You could pro- That BOE, business overhead insurance policy, could provide help pay the rent. Or the lease money, the utilities, may you know postage, 
part-time employee or a couple of part-time employees to keep the business running until you either decide, yes, I'm coming back into the business or no, after about a year before the business really goes down the tubes, I need to sell it. And that's what a business overhead policy does. It has a very short waiting period. It's just for a year or two, but it pays the overhead expenses until the business owner or owners can figure out what in the world they're going to do. Sure. Either get back into it or sell it. And I just truly wonder how many people actually, you know, think of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it depends on what's around them resource-wise. If they have a good advisor, if they have someone in their life. I was fortunate that um, my sister-in-law is a state farm agent. So from the get-go, my husband and I, you know, we had life insurance. We had things in place and his job at health insurance. And my family, my dad had worked in insurance early on in my life. So I was knowledgeable enough to know I needed to get things into place. Um, And I was telling Sasha, I was 25 when they found melanoma. And so I, it was, I didn't have a big, um, you know, I had surgery, but I didn't have treatment. There wasn't Mm -hmm. a lot going on afterwards, but when the doctor was doing surgery, she was telling me, she just flat said, you're uninsurable now. So I was like, huh, what's going on? (laughs) And she said, um, you know, do you have life insurance? And I said, yes. And she said, that's good because you wouldn't qualify now, you know, because there's this look back period. You have to be clean for a certain number of years. And she said, do you have health insurance? And I said, yes. And she was like, I am so glad for you. She said, because all of those things would not be possible now. I didn't walk into the doctor's office that day expecting to get melanoma. Um, I had no clue, actually. Everyone thought it was fine. So um, I totally understand the, you know, being 20 years old, thinking you're invincible. I, right. at the time, was working as an independent contractor. I started my business a few months after that, but mm-hmm. um, all of that could have very easily derailed everything I was doing oh, sure. career-wise yeah, and, and our personal life. So yeah, exactly. I completely understand yeah. the value of what you're saying. Well, that was the first type of insurance that we bought when my husband, my second husband, and I got married. Because at the time, he had his own landscape contracting business, and yeah. he was working with big machinery, backhoes and tractors and dump trucks and stuff like that. And implementing all these landscape designs, you know, with plant material. And and um, he had told me at one point, this way before we had gotten married, that actually when he was taking his, his, his backhoe off the trailer, it tipped over on him. I mean, it tipped, he, he was on it, driving it down the ramp, and it tipped over. Luckily, he didn't get hurt. Oh, wow. You know, but it, right. that could have been, it's like a lot of people that are farmers get killed yeah. on tractors. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I said, okay. You know, the first we're we're getting some disability insurance on you. <laughs> yeah. I had already bought you know a policy yeah. on myself. I said, but we're getting it on you. And it was only after that when we started having children that we got life insurance, and you know to, because you know we had other responsibilities. But really, you're seven times more likely to become disabled when you're young than die. And you buy disability insurance and life insurance and health insurance because you're healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you've already developed a condition. You could that condition could be excluded. You might be able to get a policy, but it there may be an exclusion rider right. on that that says we're not going to cover this in the event that you get cancer or you know because of your past history. Yeah. So again, people young people feel they're invincible, mm-hmm. but you know you you talk to a dentist, you talk to a doctor, even lawyers, they're all really big time fans of disability insurance. Mm-hmm. And why? Because they've seen what happens to people. Mm-hmm. You you can't find a doctor or a dentist without disability insurance. You really can't. They just know the statistics. 
would that be your number one thing? If you have um, someone new in the professional world and they're trying to consider they only have so much money to spend because of the budget, is disability your number one thing that you would advise them to yes. get? Yes, it is. It is. And, and yes, it is. And what and, for like disability insurance does it typically, like I'm wondering just from like the cost side of it, like if people think, oh gosh, like it's going to cost, yeah, you know, more than... I could spend or... Well, you know, a young person probably today, you know, somebody in their 20s, if we're looking at maybe a $1,500 to $2,000 benefit per month for maybe a five-year period of time, because statistically most disabilities are over within five years. Okay. And Mm -hmm. you just think about people like yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, you weren't like sitting down, not doing anything for a year when you were diagnosed with this melanoma. Mm -hmm. Um, But even people with heart attacks are back at work, you Mm -hmm. know, fairly quickly. They may be working part-time, and that's the other thing. You want to make sure that your disability policy will fill in that gap of part-time loss of income. So you're working Mm -hmm. half now. But, um, you know, maybe $40 a month, you know, you know, $10 a week. Right. I mean... $1.50 Dollar fifty a day. <laughs> we could break down into <laughs> what it is per hour, you know, of li- da- daily life. Uh, but it, it's it's and if you get it with a very good company where it's guaranteed, guaranteed renewable and non-cancelable, you lock that premium in yeah. at the age you are. So if you buy it when you're twenty-five, it's going to be less expensive for the rest of your life than at thirty mm-hmm. or thirty-five. You know, so you just and I tell people you don't have to cover your whole your whole paycheck, net paycheck, just look at what the basic expenses that you, or the basic needs you have, your rent, your food, you know, you're not going to be buying that many clothes, you know, but just, just your utilities, Mm -hmm. you know, what's what you're responsible for, what you're responsible for to help out, you know, and even if you've got a mortgage and you've got a spouse that's working, maybe half of that mortgage, amount you know there are ways to to get it where i think something is better than nothing sure because it's very hard to get social security you know they it's it's extremely difficult especially with a professional type person a person that's educated to get a disability benefit from the government they're they're turned down right off the bat you have to appeal 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 to get that so you so, want to have a plan B in place, something that yeah, you can you rely want, upon. And as I tell young people or, or anybody I'm working with, some of these benefits that we get from the government, you know, like Social Security income when you're in the retirement age part of your life, and Social Security disability benefits, those are all uncontrollable assets because we don't know what Congress is going to do. Now, they just did something recently in December that a lot of people don't know about yet. Now, we financial advisors do, but it's called the SECURE Act that was passed in December. And that means if you are the beneficiary of an IRA from a parent mm-hmm. who dies after January 1, 2020, and let's say that parent has $500,000 in that, in that IRA account, that they haven't depleted for their, their retirement. And you are the beneficiary as a daughter, and you're more than 10 years younger than that parent of yours, you cannot stretch that IRA out for the rest of your life like I can with my dad who died in 2009. His IRA, I'm getting an income from it because he was receiving an income, and it's based on my life expectancy plus some. So 
that money, mm-hmm. I can stretch it out if I don't need to really invade it. What's happened with the SECURE Act is, after January 1 of 2020, you've got to deplete that 500000 in this example over the next 10 years. You don't get, so what does that mean? Even if you had no growth, that'd be like you taking out 50000 a year mm-hmm. in income. You've just given yourself a $50,000 raise, mm-hmm. plus you've probably bumped yourself into another tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And, or you have to take it all out. If you haven't depleted it, most of it, by the 10th year, you got to take it all out. Now, how would that be to take out $500,000 in one year? Mm-hmm. You'd probably lose half of it yeah. to taxes. Yeah. Yeah, so you really have to be prepared and think through So, that. that's a law mm-hmm. that affects a lot of people going forward, especially you young people whose parents are still around who may have really built up a lot of money in their IRA accounts. I have a retirement question, just again, kind of coming back to our topic of those who are in business or they're just an employee in the working world. And, you know, I think retirement is one of those things that they just, we we don't think about Mm -hmm. initially. So is there, you know, a really great time that you tell your clients, like, go ahead, start putting money in or, you know, I know it's always start as early as possible, but, you know, you're yeah. this age, really start right. hitting it hot and heavy. Or if you're starting early, you can go a little. Any kind of rule of thumb there? Well, again, if you can put 10% <laughs> away. Okay, that's fair. Which is good. Back to your mom's advice. Yeah, back yeah. to my mom's advice. Mom's but, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, again, looking at the budget and planning. And okay. it's so important to plan. A plan is just, I just feel like a plan is so necessary. You know, you, you don't want to get to the point where you're denying yourself the necessities of life. Right. But you've got to think about, because who knows 50 years from now, what's going to be in Social Security? So, I advise people, no matter what age they are, especially but especially the young people, even teenagers, mm-hmm. and I'll share my son's story in just a minute, to start thinking about putting money into, well, if they've got something at work. Fine. If they don't, if they're self-employed, then they need to think about IRAs. Okay, you can put $6,000 into an IRA. Well, you can also start a Roth IRA. And as long as you don't go over that $6,000, you could put $3,000 into an IRA, regular, traditional, and $3,000 into a Roth, because the Roth doesn't give you the tax deduction, but it grows tax-free as it you know grows, and it comes out tax-free. Mm. Okay, so you've got one where you can take the deductions with the three thousand, or it could be two thousand, four thousand, whatever the combination is, or five thousand into the IRA if you really need the tax deduction, or just start out with a thousand dollars into something. Mm-hmm. You know, just something just to get started. When our son was sixteen years old, he was working part time in the summer for a, a building contractor, a person building custom homes. He made a little over two thousand dollars part time. And so I said, okay, Hunt, the good mother that I am, I said, I'm going to gift you $2,000 because you've earned $2,000 that you're going to show on your tax return. But I, at the time, you could only put $2,000 into a Roth. And oh. that's when Roths came out. And I said, I'm going to gift this $2,000, but it's going right into a Roth. Mm-hmm. You can keep your part-time money, but I'm gifting this to you. And we started out, and then I started making him put $25 a month into it, just automatically, out of his checking account. And then $50 a month. And then he kind of quit. 
Well, he made a contribution of about $8,000, okay? He's now in his early to mid-30s, and he's actually had to pull a little bit of money out because of a financial situation he was in, but that thing has grown to over $50,000. Wow. wow. Even with him withdrawing basically what he had contributed. Yeah. Because I put him in a really aggressive portfolio because he's young. Yeah. He can, and, and, and that was going through... 2008, yeah. <laughs> you know, with the dip. And yeah. it was like, we just left it alone. We just, we're not retiring today. And um, so, again, the old adage, something is better than nothing. Sure. Even if it's $25 a month. Right. Just to get you started. Just to get you in the habit. And then upping it a little and upping it a little. That needs to be Patty's tagline. Yes. Right. Something's Something better, better than nothing. nothing. Something's better than nothing, yes. And it's like with life insurance. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that I did with my, my son. Both children, I bought life insurance on them, whole life insurance, when they were little. Uh -huh. And people said, why are you buying so much whole life insurance on your children? Are you trying to get rich if something happens? No, no. This was building up a financial asset. Sure. We were also, they, I also started a unified gift to minors account for him and for his sister. That was another financial asset. That was a mutual fund that, you know, in their name, but I'm custodian. Then some savings bonds, government savings bonds. And then they had the life insurance. So when my son went to buy a house, when he got married, mm -hmm. he had a financial statement that he could show the lender that showed he had financial assets yeah. to cover the loan. He didn't have to buy mortgage insurance. And he also had financial assets that he could fall back on. And that was a big advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And my husband also told me, he said, his lender, when he was going to buy all this equipment he had for his business, his lender said, David, if two people came to me and they had equal qualifications and everything, but the one person had some life insurance and the other one didn't, and I had one loan to give, he said, I would give it to the person that had the life insurance. Yeah. Because that shows responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think whether you own a house or you have a family or a spouse or a significant other or whatever, everybody needs to have some life insurance on their own to cover final expenses to, to then also show financial responsibility. Mm -hmm. I agree. And again, it goes back to that financial wellness like we talked about. Exactly. I mean, it and, and staying healthy, that's the other part of it. Because if you're not physically healthy and mentally healthy, then you're going to have more medical expenses. Mm. And it's going to keep you from, from getting the protection, transferring that financial risk over to the insurance company, getting it off your shoulders. It's going to prevent you from doing that. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a whole holistic type of situation. I really appreciate the stories that you shared because insurance and retirement and all of those things can be a very dry subject and a lot of people don't fully grasp it right. either. So when you share those real life situations mm -hmm. and examples of positive things or negative things that happen, I think mm -hmm. it, it's able to get people thinking of how yeah. that could apply to them Absolutely. and really get them yeah. in that mindset to understand what they need to be doing. Right. And as time goes on, things will build up, especially if you're saving money. Yeah. You know, investing it and yeah. having some guidance and having somebody there to hold your hand right. and say, oh, what should I do? And, you know, I just had a client call me the other day and says, oh, my, she's retired and she's, oh, I'm going to need an extra 
you know, a couple of hundred dollars a month extra. I said, well, until this other thing kicks in for you, let's just, you've got this brokerage account. Let's just take a little bit out for this year to cover the gap until, and then I said, have you thought about, because she's at this point where she is going to be getting some social security because she's, of a, you know, she will be a full retirement age next year. And I said, and she said, I'm not going to get that much because I, most of my career was teaching or, or okay. So I said, but she had been married, now divorced, but married for more than 10 years with a, a man that was a professional person. And I said, you need to see what half of his social security would equal hmm. when you become full retirement age. Because if his half is bigger than your whole, you're entitled to his half. And if it's a great difference... You better take his half. She said, I never would have thought of that. That's why she has you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've, you know, really provided some good feedback and some good tips and, you know, yeah. maybe started some wheels turning yeah. um, of things good. that people really need to think about, yeah. you know, not only small business, you know, anybody mm-hmm. um, in general. So, um, well, we typically do at the end um, something fun, some fun questions. So, um okay. You want to go ahead, Liz? I will. I okay. would like to know, in one word or phrase, how you would describe your home style. Eclectic. Eclectic? Ooh, I like that. I do, too. Do you want to expand for a second? Well, I enjoy antiques. Yeah. And, um, of course, art. Mm-hmm. And I also enjoy things that are very classic and timeless. And so it's kind of a combination of some very traditional art, and I like original art, yeah. you know, from people that I know that are artists. And I, so I collect a lot of okay. art. And um, I like, you know, I like the older style furniture, but yet I like some modern stuff as well. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of very eclectic, but in classic. I love it. I want to go to Patty's house. I know, right? <laughs> Next time we're taking a field trip. Oh, but I love that because I think that, you know, just a life lived is not uh-huh. just always one way or one style. Yeah. So to have that mix yeah. of things and yeah. conversation starters and stories, I love it. So, yeah. And the other thing is that, I've, you know, my mother handed down a lot of stuff to me. Mm-hmm. Not a lot, but some stuff. And so that's very meaningful for, for me. Well, so, sure. You know, and yeah. she put little notes that, you know, this was your great aunt's crystal bowl and you know i've got my great great uncle's mantle clock and um you know that's you know now what will happen when i leave to go to the great beyond who knows you know because i don't think young people really care about that kind of stuff in the history but maybe as time goes on my son and my daughter will yeah yeah but anyway go ahead now how would you describe your personal style as far as clothing and stuff like that um, I don't go out of the house unless I feel that I'm appropriately dressed. And so I feel like for the business world, I want to look, I want to look like I'm a professional person mm-hmm. because if I'm dealing with people's money, I want to look like I'm put together. Well, you're all, I, if I could say one thing about Patty, Patty is always put together Mm -hmm. from you know what her clothing is to her 
jewelry, the accessories, like everything always goes together. The shoes, like we've got to start videoing so people can see the yes, because they can see that Patty is describing <laughs> herself <laughs> appropriately. Yes. yes, yeah. So you know, like yesterday, I I met some new people. So so I wore a pantsuit, mm-hmm. more of a business. And today, I was meeting with some clients that you know I already that are already clients, you know, and so and it was cold, so I decided to put my my sweater, my well, you look beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. But, um, and even on casual days, you know, even if I'm in jeans, I'd like to look like, you know, I thought about what I wanted to wear. And know? sometimes I see Patty when she's got her tennis gear on, and even the tennis gear is coordinated. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Nothing uh, less. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Patty, okay, for coming welcome. on and thank speaking you. your style with us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me, Liz Toombs, on Facebook and Instagram, as well as my business, PDR Interiors, on both outlets as well. And you can find myself, Sasha Bowlby, on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also find Sash and Bow, my boutique, also on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out the website anytime. Shop 24-7 at sashandbowboutique.com. And we also want to note, too, if you like what you're listening to, please feel free to give us a review um, on the podcast. If you don't want to write out anything, all you got to do is just hit the stars. It's super easy, and we would love to hear your feedback.